What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Compressed FM, a podcast all about web development and design with a little bit of zest. In this episode, we're doing a part two on Visual Studio Code, our favorite text editor. We're going to tell you all about our favorite extensions. So let's get into it. Hello, my name is Amy Dutton, and I am the director of design at Zeal. What's up? What's up? My name is James Q. Quick, and I'm a staff developer advocate at PlanetScale. Web development and design, who would have guessed? Well, we can do them both, even add a little zest. So turn up the volume, get ready for the best. Let's get it started in this episode of Compress. Today, we're joined by three fabulous sponsors. Vercel will meet all of your hosting needs. Zeal is a software consultancy, and they are hiring. And Dato CMS is a performant headless CMS. More from each of these later in the show. James, what have you been up to? Well, I uh, went to a hot yoga class with my wife oh. on Friday. We The weather, I'm assuming it's the same in Nashville, has been absolutely terrible for like a yes. week. Like just gloomy yes. and rain. Like it, it's been really Rainy depressing, I think, cold. for both of us. Yeah, it's terrible. So we were just kind of bored. And I was doing something and she was like, I'm going to go do yoga, not knowing if I was going to be done in time. She was like, I just need to go. And I was like, you know what? I don't have anything to do. I could use a reason to get out. And so I went and I was like kind of being a little dramatic about it. I was like nervous. Like I know how to do yoga, but I'm not like a regular. And there's like all these people that know what they're doing. And I don't know, like, I don't know the etiquette of being in a studio because I like haven't done a yoga class in a studio in years. And I've done it three times total. And so we take the class and it's going relatively well. Like I'm probably the worst one, which is fine. Like I expected that, but it's hot yoga. And so we were doing like, I couldn't even tell you the names, but we're doing these things. Does that just where mean we're like, it's hot in the room? It's hot. Yeah. It's intended to be okay. 95 degrees or something. So you're supposed to like, <laughs> sweat. like if like sweat out everything. Yeah. Which okay. I like in some ways it's kind of cool, good. right? Like kind of yeah. like a reset, like a detox type sure. thing. But we had gone through this flow of like leaning forward, coming back, leaning forward, like being horizontal, like in the air, like still on one leg mm-hmm. or whatever. And then after those couple of things, it was like, okay, do star, which is just like stand and have your legs wide and your arms wide. And I swear to you, I almost passed out. Like the first time we did it, because it was like having been horizontal, like up and down horizontal for a minute or two and then coming straight up and like extending. I like paused and took a very deep breath and slowed down. And so as we did that flow multiple times after that, it was like leading up to it. I was like easing myself into standing up to make sure because <laughs> I got really lightheaded for like, I don't know, five yeah. seconds. But after that, that was really good. Yeah. yeah. So it was fun. It's like, I feel like you're in really good shape. So that's crazy that I also like don't, I sweat a ton for people who care about this on a podcast. <laughs> um, and I have trouble, especially running with like dehydration headaches. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things that oh, I, was, I do, but too. I was totally fine. Yeah. I'm really bad about that. Like almost any time I do a long run, I'm going to have a headache. Mm-hmm. I do too. Um, and I can literally drink as much water as humanly possible for me and still mm-hmm. have a headache. Yeah. Yeah. I took, as long as I take like an ibuprofen after a long run, I'm generally okay. Then it helps. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've yeah. got from Costco, I've got like the, the <laughs> electrolyte packets. It's supposed to be like, if you oh, yeah. use one of these, it's like you drink three bottles of water instead uh-huh. of one. So I even use those and still have. Um, trouble but shout out to costco costco should be a sponsor of the podcast i think well i'll reach out to them and see as much promo as they get from me (laughs) and your water bottles i know yeah they are still amazing for anybody new to the podcast at the end we have picks and plugs and james has picked his costco water bottle twice by accident just because he loves it so much that's right oh man so yeah anyway that's me what have you been up to we went to a college basketball game last night 
at what? my yes, it was so much fun. We went to Middle Tennessee State University, which is nice. my alma mater. Mm-hmm. I always have trouble with that. And they apparently are undefeated at home, both men and women. But we went to a men's game and um my kids went with me. My husband had a freelance assignment, so we gave him some space to be able to work on his assignment. And the kids weren't crazy about going, but they went and they had so much fun. They loved it. They're doing balloon animals for free. And they had a like jumper thing with a basketball goal that they had big time playing on. And if you ask them what their favorite part of the evening was, they'll say that our team won. So that makes me happy (laughs) that they enjoyed the game. But yeah, it was good. They played uh, Western Kentucky, which Mm. is feels close it's like mm-hmm. 45 minutes i think yep. from nashville so That's yeah we cool. had a good time so hopefully that was their last home game of the season but hopefully next year we'll go to more of those games because we we did have a great time it's fun when you get into it and go on a regular basis i think and kind of mm-hmm. have that as an event you look forward to we were yeah. for the memphis tigers football games two years ago the season before covid they had like the, their best season of ever and like won the mm-hmm. conference championship game and it was just wild like they were so and college game day came here so it was these huge games that we went to like mm-hmm. all of them it was so much fun and then covid hit and we kind of lost a little momentum but yeah i was gonna say you guys also have the grizzlies right mm-hmm. yep uh we haven't been in a while but we've definitely been to a lot of games in the past yeah the last game we went to was a bulls game and we may have played memphis in that game mm. i can't quite remember it's either that one or another one but yeah we've man i just love basketball so much same but What's funny is, I will share this and then we can get to the fun content. Not that this isn't fun content, but um, so we have a friend that's helping us edit the podcast now. Her name is Ashley. So we went with Ashley to the game. And what was funny was we pulled up on campus and Isaac, my son, was like, is this the school? And I was like, no, the school, like he has no concept of what a college campus is. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, no, this is just the gym. And so he thought, one, Ashley was going to be playing in the game because he mm. knew we were meeting her. And I was like, no, that's not the case. And then he asked her, is this where you do PE? <laughs> Which <laughs> is funny to me because I'm like, college is a little different. <laughs> uh, you didn't take PE in college? I definitely took PE I in did college. not take PE I did in not college. take PE in college. It would have been fun, though. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of PE in college, there's an extension in VS Code. There's not. I wish Poor I had a, like, if there, if there was a PE extension in, in VS Code, that would have been a badass transition, but we'll do it anyway. So in the last episode, we talked like all of our tips and tricks in VS Code. We talked about mm-hmm. shortcuts and menus and functionality with Git and debugging and stuff. So if people are kind of interested in some of those details, go and check out the previous episode. As we were creating the notes for that, we were kind of looking at a short list of extensions. And in my head, I was like, I could add 20 more to this list. Why don't we just do this as a separate podcast episode? And that's what we did. So that's what we're here to do today. So we just got kind of a long list. We'll kind of alternate through these and kind of go from there and tell you what the extensions are, what they do, why we use them, and maybe some anecdotes and things along the way. So if anybody has any additional ones that they think we miss during this episode, make sure to tag us on Twitter at Compressed FM and share your favorite extensions, ones that we should check out. So the first one that I wrote down is Color Snap, and I believe James, you have a alternative to that. 
Yep, but go ahead and tell you what. Yeah, you can go ahead and tell them what what uh, Color Snap is first. Okay, so Color Snap, what that does is allows you to highlight a block of code that you have, and then you can trigger this extension, and it'll make it look pretty, like an image that you could include in social media. So it's very helpful if you're writing blog posts or if you want to tweet out code snippets and things like that. Make sure code look nice and formatted. And this particular plugin, you can control whether the background is transparent or if you want to change the background color or include an image or something like that. The way it looks like it's actually on desktop wallpaper. Love it. Yeah. So mine is Polo Code, but I think it's basically the exact same thing. And there's so carbon.sh is a web page that people use often for doing the same kind of thing, right? Like you paste in a snippet of code and then you have the you know, whatever background color or transparent or whatever it is that you want that you can customize it with. And I'm actually, I'm kind of curious, Amy, I just searched for color snap and I don't see it in the extensions marketplace. What? Oh, I don't see it either. What, what the, what? Amy has her own custom, (laughs) but I know I've heard of color snap before. So I don't Well, what's funny is the only reason I have a color snap installed was because I could not get polar code to work on my computer. Hmm. Do you remember what kind of issue you had with it? Um, I do not. So I don't even so, see it in my list of install. Oh. <laughs> so you don't have it on your list of installed what? ones? What? This is. <laughs> All right. This is a momentous uh, oh, moment. Momentous goodness. moment in podcast history where Amy has established herself. Just makes up herself. stuff. <laughs> Actually, that's not the first time I made up a conversation I had with. Scott Zelensky. <laughs> was that I the one? Scott and I were talking, and yeah. I, we weren't talking. Was that, I was no. just listening to his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very one way conversation. <laughs> Where it was him talking, you listening from uh, whatever yeah. podcast listener. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't find Color Snap on her mm. anyway. So, mm. we, that in this duel, <laughs> in this duel, I walk away victorious with Polo Code. It is in the VS Code marketplace if you look for that online. I just searched there. Is it two words? It is a single word, camel cased, color snap. I just put the link in our notes. Amy. Removed. Amy, okay. What did I do? Amy, Amy, Amy. (laughs) Well, the reason we can't find it is because it's not called color snap. That's what you've been saying, right? Color snap. Code snap. (laughs) And it's code snap. This whole time I've been searching for this thing. It's and for what it's worth, people, code snap oh, is a real man. thing. If you search and it spell is. it correctly, if you it's for the not right color thing. snap. <laughs> well, that was fun. I'm glad we figured that out before we released the show notes. <laughs> Stuff like this happens to me all the time. My apologies. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we got it cleared up before. It is called Code Snap, C O D E Snap, and it is installed on my computer. <laughs> yep, wow. There it is. Well, there you go. So there's two good options for taking screenshots of your code Code Snap and Polo Code. Another extension that we were actually just referencing recently is Better Comments. And so, what this allows you to do, it gives you a couple of different types of comments that you can do. And then it's going to highlight them appropriately in your code. So an example, if you do a comment and then have to do uh, capitalized and then colon after it, it's going to highlight that orange. If you do a comment with the bang symbol or the exclamation, it's going to be red. If you have a star, it's going to be marked as green for important. And a question will do a blue for a question, pretty self-explanatory. So it's actually pretty nice as you're scrolling through your code. It's like this big call out there for you to see. Hey, these are things I need to do. And we're working on the everything's felt course. 
And we were just discussing it, you know, before we started recording. And I mentioned, Amy, I've got a bunch of to-do items in here for us to look at. When I push all this code in, it'll be an easy thing for her to search and go find those to-dos so that we can figure out what we want to, pun intended, not pun intended, do with them in the end. But better comments is what that is. I was looking, I used to have an extension in Adam that would even like generate its own custom page of all the to-dos that you had within your code. And then you could actually check it out. But I don't, or I haven't found something similar to that in VS Code. That might be worth looking into. Another one of my favorites is called Bookmarks. And if you are jumping between two places in your code, this particular extension makes it really easy to jump between the two. That way it's not just scroll up, scroll down, scroll up. You can easily flip back and forth. Nice. I love the, if we could, we should get a, some sort of gif of you doing scroll up, scroll down, <laughs> scroll up. That would be. We have talked about a soundboard. <laughs> yes. Oh, let us know what you think. Cause I want to do it. And Amy is hesitant and I'm going to. No, I'm not hesitant. Eventually. I'm no, in your, I'm, in your message, you were hesitant. It. What? Uh, it was, <laughs> it was like more sarcastic. Oh, oh no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh no. Being your secret. Okay. Well, we will have a soundboard coming soon. Everybody keep <laughs> We don't care out. then what your opinion is. <laughs> it's happen. Yeah. Tell us your opinion so we can do it anyway. And now it's time to take a second to talk about one of our sponsors, which is Dato CMS. Dato CMS is a complete and performant headless CMS built to offer the best developer experience and user friendliness in the market. One of the things I think is really interesting and neat on their website is if you hover on their wide Dato CMS tab in the nav bar, you see sections for developers, digital markers, and content creators. So it's got the entire audience covered. They also provide a rich CDN-powered GraphQL API with real-time updates, which is really neat. So all of you who love working with GraphQL and are looking for something that has real-time updates, this is really, really cool. They also provide a super flexible way to handle dynamic layouts and structured content and then have best in-class image and video support with progressive image loading out of the box. So if you're looking for a headless CMS that can help represent every member of your team, make sure to check out Dato CMS. So next up on the list is Cloak. This is from John Papa. He's done, a couple, I'll mention his name later, but he's done a bunch of VS Code extensions. He works for Microsoft. He's pretty awesome. You should go and check him out. But Cloak is this extension to hide your environment variables. So if you have a .env file and a lot of us do streams or videos or whatever, you can use Cloak. And what it will do is it will like, even if you open up your .env file, it will literally just hide the environment variable value so that you don't accidentally let them slip on stream, which I have done in the past. Don't go searching for it. You might find some expired <laughs> API credentials that I've done. So Cloak will help you protect those as you're live streaming or recording videos. An extension that I have on my computer is called indent four to two, which is super fun. What it does is it will convert your file from having indentation of four spaces to two spaces. The reason this is super fun is because, as James mentioned, we've been collaborating on a project, and I prefer two spaces. I think I've converted, James. <laughs> I'm probably converted now. I just, I, I think mostly I'm not ready for I the backlash. Him. I'm not ready for the backlash if I check in code with four spaces. <laughs> but yeah, it does. Like, once you get, like, really... I'm curious what people think if people want to tag us on Twitter and, and share your preference. But once you get like a big thing of HTML or nested things in JavaScript, it's hard to keep your width about you, not, not uh width, but width about you because it like, you just end up going so far indented. So two can be nice for that reason. And up until now I've been using four, um, but with Amy, <laughs> we'll do two. And that is part right, of well, everything's felt by the way. 
that we're working with on. With the four spaces, it was scroll right, scroll left. <laughs> <laughs> There's another, uh, oh, we, we've got to get these sound bits. Uh, but yeah, I, I used to be a proponent of four spaces, and then I worked with a team that did two and were very opinionated about it, and I've just gotten used to seeing two, so it's a little awkward now for me to see four. Yeah, I think it's really anything. You get used to it if you yeah. use it enough. So next one on the list is CSS Peak. This one's kind of cool. So if you've got classes defined in your CSS, and then you reference them in your HTML, you can hover over those classes and it'll give you a little like link basically to take you to the definition for that CSS class. So if you're like, oh, I wonder what the different properties are that are attached to this class, CSS Peak will, um, I guess it's two things. I think if you hover, it'll just kind of show you a peak of it and then you can click to go into the full actual code if you want to as well. I don't think I have that installed. That sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Mm. Oh, does that mean you won another one? (laughs) I win. (laughs) Oh, I do have it installed. I just didn't even know it. Ah, that's still a win for me, though. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. Okay, so one that I have on my machine, not on our list that I'm adding right now, is called Error Lens. And what this does, I know it drives some people crazy, but if I have an error problematic piece of code, say it shows up with an error with ESLint, then it will highlight the entire line as red and it'll be big and bold and annoying. But I actually like that because it means that I just don't have that squiggly only, which is easy to ignore. I have a red line that I feel like I need to get off my machine. So that's called error lens. I'm going to install that now and see what that looks like. like Yeah, I feel like that makes it harder to ignore, right? Which is kind Mm -hmm. of a good thing because instead of just like pushing stuff off, it's like, I'm going to take care of this because that call out is so annoying. Yes. So yeah, I'll try it out. Next one on the list for me is file utils. And I kind of mentioned this, I think, in the previous episode. But file utils gives you some commands that you can do to work with your file. So a couple of examples. If I'm inside of a file and I do command shift P to open up the command palette, I can then type delete file. It'll delete the file as you would expect. I can do rename. That's a pretty handy one. So I don't have to go right click on the file in the explorer on the left hand side or the right, depending on where you configure your sidebar. But I can do that all from... I mean, basically like a terminal, right? It's all commands that I can just do from the command palette. And then the other one that I customize is overriding the default new file command in VS Code. So command N, instead of doing the default new file in VS Code, will do the new file in advanced new file. And it then prompts me for which directory I want to put this file in. And it auto-populates that list of directories with all the directories in my repository, as well as it shows me what my most recent one was. So... If I create a new component inside of a components directory for Svelte or React or whatever, and then I do another one, that thing is going to be at the top of the list. So I can do command N for new, enter to say that folder that I just used, and then type in the name of the component and be off and running. So I really like file utils and advanced new files you've got in here. Thank you. Advanced new file may be the other part of that. I might should check that. Do I still have That allows you to create files anywhere in your workspace from your keyboard. Yes. So combination, great catch. Advanced new file is for the new file stuff. And then file utils gives those additional commands for deleting, duplicating, renaming, etc. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So another one that I have is called import cost. And as you're working within the JavaScript ecosystem, assuming you are, there's a lot of different packages that are going to be different sizes 
terms of bites. And so sometimes, especially if you're trying to deal with performance, it's important to keep an eye on what those are. And so what this will do is as soon as you type in import whatever package, it will put almost as a comment, it'll be kind of ghosted out directly to the right of it, what the file size is. So you can keep an eye on those things. Nice. And a good example of that for something like Lodash, you can import. Mm -hmm. And I think this may be actually the example that they give in the screen and like the GIF for import cost. Let me actually pull this up to see. But the idea is like you could import all of Lodash or you could import the specific thing from Lodash that you need. So if you import from the root Lodash, it could be like 70 KB. And then if you import directly the thing that you're looking for and using just that thing, it goes down to like two kilobytes. So Lodash is a good example of here of like, depending on how you import the thing that you want to work with, it could have a big import cost for you in terms of the size of the bundle that you're going to ship in the end. One of the ones that I have installed that I don't actually use that often, but could be helpful is Git Project Manager. So it allows you to kind of select a folder that a bunch of your Git projects might live in. And then you can use shortcuts with this extension to open those different projects. So it's kind of like a project manager, but specifically for ones that are Git projects. So if you have a bunch of folders listed inside of the folder that you tell it to look for, it's going to look for which of those folders actually have a .git directory. So they're marked as a Git repository and then let you kind of manage and switch between those projects. I have one called just project manager. And I think that lets you just set up local projects that you have on your computer so that you can swap easily between those. But it creates its own little sidebar configuration. Mm. Nice. So as I was going through my extensions making this list, a lot of mine revolve around autocomplete and IntelliSense for specific languages that I use. So that could be JavaScript. It could be PHP. It could be HTML, CSS. What that does is it will highlight the code depending on what you're writing, but it will also prompt you for say different functions or syntax formatting, things like that. You can also take that a step further and use something like tab nine is an extension a lot of people use or kite is another for that autocomplete. Both of those products will learn what you're writing and will make suggestions based on what you're typing a lot of. And then James, I know you have a lot of experience with Copilot, which kind of does the same thing. Yeah. So first question for you, have you used tab nine and or kite on a regular basis and enjoyed them? Which one do you use? So I was using tab nine for a while and then I've recently switched over to kite. I think part of, if I remember correctly, I think it was making better recommendations than tab nine that I was just getting frustrated with what tab nine may have been. But with both of those, the ideas, the more you use them, the better they are. And I think maybe one or both of them have gotten to the point, maybe I'm making this up, but where they tie into a team. So if you're writing code with a team, then it will even make suggestions that your team is using. But I would need to confirm that. Yeah, I bet that would make sense. I mean, they definitely definitely have like pro versions or whatever. So I could see some like team mm-hmm. integration with the pro version. I tried tab nine for a little bit and I just, I didn't feel like it really did it for me. I felt like it was more trouble than it was worth for me personally. Although I know other people really love it. So definitely go and give it a shot if people are interested. But because of that, when GitHub Copilot got released and people were getting access to the beta and they were trying out and they were like loving it, I was super skeptical. And I even created a video on YouTube saying like, this is why I haven't tried GitHub Copilot. 
And it's just the same idea of like a lot of times, although it can, those types of tools can do some cool stuff. A lot of times they're not perfect. So it takes just as much time to change the things that they give you than it does for you to just write the code yourself. So I was skeptical of GitHub Copilot. And then I actually tried it out after like everyone telling me how good it is. And I am quite literally mind blown by GitHub Copilot. Like I've worked on a bunch of, or a handful of different projects with GitHub Copilot, like having no experience with me and the project itself. And immediately I go to type a function and it like completes the entire function. It's so wild to the point where I actually haven't used it in a while because when I do tutorials, I can't even explain what I'm doing while I'm writing the code because GitHub Copilot already populates it for me. And I feel like it's not a great teaching experience or learning experience for people that are watching this tutorial. But GitHub Copilot is like wildly accurate. Like I never would have imagined it would be this good, but it so, so is. So I highly recommend people more for people probably that are a little further along in their career. Cause I think if you just get too dependent upon it early, you probably sacrifice a little bit of the learning of just the reiteration of writing code. But for people that, you know, are a little further along in their career, I highly, highly, highly recommend checking out GitHub Copilot. It's just incredible. Um, I am looking at this. Uh, Tab 9 and Kite both have team plans. And I think Copilot actually released a team plan as well. Mm. Where instead of just necessarily taking all these learnings from all of GitHub, that you can also limit it to your team's project so that you're mimicking patterns that your team's already implemented. That's cool. I love that. Maybe it would help with the four versus two spaces. I guess we've got tools that take care of that part for (laughs) us, but yes. Let me take a brief moment and talk about the company that I work for zeal. They actually sponsor our podcast. They design custom applications and develop primarily in rails and react. They're a remote first company. Even before the pandemic, they're based out of Southern Oregon, but I live outside of Nashville and we have team members across the entire country. But Zeal holds a special place in my heart because as I mentioned, I work there, but I can honestly say it's the best place that I've ever worked. And good news for you, they are hiring. So you could work with me. In particular, we are hiring a senior UI UX designer and front end developer. I'm pretty stoked about this position because you'll be on my team. We have some really fun initiatives planned for 2022, so you get to be a part of that. In general, our whole setup is pretty unique. So you can find more information on the website, codingzeal.com. And of course, I'll include a link in the description below. So a couple here that are related to Git. One, Git integration, source control integration in GitHub by itself is really, really good. If you want to supercharge that and take it to the next level, GitLens is incredibly powerful. I've at one point had done like a lot of different Git extensions that did different things individually and GitLens seems to just kind of do it all for you. So it's got a visualizer for like your branches and your commits and stuff. That's really cool and powerful. It also has the like blame information. So blame information, although I feel like it's kind of aggressively named is the ability to see who changed what line of code that you're looking at last. So if I look at the source code for everything's felt, some of them, the last editor was Amy and that code is mostly good. And then sometimes <laughs> the last editor is me and there's question marks on all of those. <laughs> See, and the code's really good. <laughs> and, the, and the code is 100% perfect. <laughs> GitHub Copilot has nothing to change on the code that I write. Um, but it actually is like all jokes aside, it's a helpful piece of information to have handy so that you could go and ask that person a question if you have any specific questions. But GitLens, it's kind of the all-in-one Git extension. In addition to the one other one that I'll throw in here 
is the GitHub pull requests and issues. So if you want to look at, check out pull requests, do merges of pull requests, inspect them, do diffs, that sort of stuff. This extension is pretty helpful for that. So there's two really good Git extensions that you can add inside of VS Code to take your Git integration to the next level. Another one that I really like is called LiveShare. So if you do a lot of work with teams or other developers, what it allows you to do is collaborate with them so you can pair on the code. So I could either watch somebody code if they're driving or they could watch me or we could also work on the code simultaneously and you can see those multiple cursors on the screen, which is pretty cool. LiveShare, like I haven't actually used it that much, but the functionality in it is really neat. So Mm -hmm. when somebody joins your session, they start in follow mode. So if they just don't touch their computer, they will be inside of VS Code and it will be following what you do if I join your session, which is really neat. They can then get out of that and go do their own thing if they want to. You can still see where the other person is. You can also share your terminal and a live locally running server. So if like you run your app on your machine, I can see that on mine, which is really, really wild. So there's some really neat stuff that you can do with live share. You also have to be careful because it will ask you what permissions you should give that Mm. person. And I've been streaming before and was like, oh yeah, everything. And then the chat went wild and was like, no, (laughs) they can delete your whole computer. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely pay attention to that. (laughs) Yeah. Another cool one for CSS is IntelliSense for CSS class names. I think that this comes from looking at the CSS that's in your project. And then as you're Mm -hmm. typing in a class name in your HTML, it'll give you IntelliSense for those CSS class names. Another one I'll tie in with the CSS IntelliSense idea specific to Tailwind, same kind of thing, but specific to Tailwind is the Tailwind CSS IntelliSense. And this is incredibly useful because if you've used Tailwind, which Amy and I are both big fans, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, There's a ton of different class names. It's a utility-based CSS framework where everything you do is from a class name, which means there's tons of different class names. And sometimes those are hard to remember what they are, what the format is, and what exactly it looks like. So you can start to type in what you think is your best guess, and it'll show you, oh, it actually is that thing. Or now I can't find it. I don't know what it is. So Tailwind CSS IntelliSense is extremely useful for all those different classes that I end up using with Tailwind CSS project. My favorite feature about that is, so when I'm working with a Figma file, everything is in pixels and all of Tailwind is within rims. And so I usually have to go look up to see how does that translate into their point system. And so Mm -hmm. if you start to type things out, it will tell you kind of in that ghosted comment what that translates into pixels. So it makes it a lot easier to find exact measurement that you're looking for. Nice. One of my favorites is snippets, and I'm just going to say snippets of any kind. So there's one that I use in particular that's for React that has the most ridiculous name. name. It's mm-hmm. ES7 React Redux React Native Snippets, but it allows you to stub out components very easily. So I can say R-A-F-C-E tab, and it will build out a functional React component for me. So it'll take a lot of those boilerplate pieces that you might need and sticks that in the file for you. So you're not having to type that out each time. And most languages or most libraries and frameworks that you work with will have some sort of snippet that you could install and use. So we have one from Avnish who's in the learn, build, teach discord, who has written his own called react and next JS snippets. So you should definitely go check that out 
But again, any language is going to have probably some form of snippets. And you can also write your own within VS Code. And there's a few extensions that will make this really easy. There's one called Snippet Creator that will help you generate things. There's also VS Code Snippet Generator that you can install. So a lot of times when I'm evaluating these, I just check to see how many stars they have and how many installs. So if it's on the thousand side, generally that's pretty trustworthy. You know that you're going to get a good extension. I've also removed extensions if they didn't do exactly what I wanted. So you do have that ability if you're trying to experiment. Yeah, well, that's maybe one of the things we didn't quite mention and we should have is how easy it is to add these. I mean, you do a search right inside of VS Code Mm -hmm. and then you find the extension that you're looking for and you click install and it's done in seconds. It used to be that you had to restart VS Code. Now, most of the times you don't have to actually restart, although occasionally you do, but it literally you have the extension ready for you in seconds. So it's pretty cool. One code snippet ones I'll add to that is the JavaScript ES6 code snippet. So thinking about arrow functions and things like that, that's a cool one that you can add to the list. Another one that is related to IntelliSense, but it's in your terminal is the fig extension. Fig, I created a video on recently is really, really neat where if I'm running like an npm install command in my terminal, fig will actually provide me IntelliSense as I'm typing for the different packages that match the thing that I'm typing in. So fig, I've been a really big fan of them. So you can find them at fig.io and I guess this is something a little less specific to extensions. It's more part of my terminal. So you like install it outside of VS code, but then the terminal interaction inside of VS code is really, really nice. So another great one is called thunder client. And what that will allow you to do is to quickly interact with different rest APIs or just APIs in general so that you can make sure that the code that you're writing matches up with that particular API. I've really enjoyed using this over say postman because it's built directly within VS Code. So I can just stay within the application that I'm already coding, maybe put it in a different pane and reference that as I'm writing my code. And James, you did an entire video specifically on Thunder Client. Yeah, this is actually my biggest video. I don't know if you knew this, my really? biggest video of all time, which is not quite a million, but it may be like 800,000 views, which I still have the elusive million views. Let me actually look that up. I'm kind of curious now. Oh, it's at 900,000. So maybe it'll actually get to a million. That would be pretty cool. But what's really cool about this is this is just an extension that I found and I wanted to help kind of promote it. And what ended up happening is that client, that extension got a ton more downloads interactions from the video that I did, obviously with 900,000 views. So that's one of the things I've tried to replicate more as different people are doing stuff in the community. I love being able to highlight that and get some extra visibility to the stuff they're doing through the videos that I create. So anyway, yeah, that was a cool one the way it turned out. And I definitely use that one inside of VS Code as well. Another one, this is a classic, is the live server extension. I do a ton of vanilla HTML, CSS, and JavaScript tutorials just because I kind of enjoy them. And I think they're great for learning for people that teach the basics. So live server will create a live reloading server to where you know you open that page in the browser. As you save your file, it automatically refreshes your code in the browser. So you can have them side by side, or I do like full screen apps where I just swipe between them and you don't have to refresh your browser page automatically. It just does it for you. So super simple, but it's the classic. It's been around and people have been using that one for a long time and it just works really well. So another one that I have is called the calculator. And what that will allow you to do is just do simple math equations directly within your command palette. So you can hit Command Shift P and pull that up, or I believe you can also write that directly within your code and have it evaluate it for you. So this is really helpful if you're trying to do 
math to figure out grids or shift things over, but it makes it really nice and simple. Nice. I had never thought about that. I didn't know that was one that existed. That's really cool. Another one I'll throw in there is Markdown PDF. This is cool because this is what I use to do my ebook, my YouTube for developers ebook. And what you do is you write Markdown, which Markdown is pretty well supported in VS Code. And then the Markdown PDF will allow you to convert that to an actual PDF. And that's how I wrote my book and shipped it. So I wrote Markdown and then exported out as a PDF using that extension. And then I sold that as a product. So you can find it at youtubefordevelopers.com if you're interested. But more importantly, it's just kind of cool taking Markdown a PDF right inside of your editor. And let's take a minute and talk about Vercel. Vercel will meet all of your hosting needs. We're actually hosting the compressed.fm site and my personal site, selfteach.me on Vercel. They also power more well-known sites like Twilio, but you can use them for e-commerce, travel, news, and marketing sites. You name it, they can host it. When I got ready to launch the compressed site, it was super easy. I pointed it to the GitHub repository and told it what folder my next.js project was in, and then it just worked. Ridiculous, right? But they also power over 30 plus Jamstack frameworks, including Create React App, Next, Nuxt, Vue, Ember, Svelte, Angular, Hugo, and Gatsby, just to name a few. But one of my favorite features is when you set up your account, you get your own dashboard, And here you can invite other team members to collaborate or view analytics. So as soon as I push the code to my GitHub repository, it deploys that code and I can watch the build and its entire process through their custom dashboard. So be sure to check out Vercel. I'll include a link in the show notes, but special thanks to Vercel for being a compressed.fm sponsor. Another one that I like is called change case. So a lot of times if I write something in all lowercase, instead of having to delete that variable and retype it and say all uppercase or camel case or whatever, there is an extension called change case where you can highlight it and it will do that for you. I am curious now that you say that. So I think this may be built into VS Code. Other people huh. can help confirm. So I don't have change case installed, but I have a command in here for transform to uppercase and lowercase. I don't have yes. any other like snake case and that kind of stuff. Does yours do more of those? Yes. So you can highlight it and select. There's also one called Capitalize that I have. Both of those, you can either say title case or Mm, um, I think you can do, is it kebab or sentence case, snake case? Yeah, any of those things. Okay. So you've definitely got some extra ones in there Mm -hmm. that are not built in. Let's see. Another one that is pretty useful is Prisma. So I use Prisma a lot as an ORM object relational mapper or mapping. And what it does, it allows me to kind of interact with my database with JavaScript functions. So it's something I'm more used to instead of writing raw SQL. And inside of VS Code, the extension will give you IntelliSense inside of your Prisma schema file and then formatting. So it'll format your schema all nice. and It'll give you IntelliSense for it too when you're creating your data models or your schema for your data models. So the Prisma extension helps make that process even easier. Another one is color brackets. And what that will do is it will color pairs of brackets different colors so that it's easier to track which bracket is closing which piece of code or opening which piece of code. And there is some level of that that now is built in as well. Let's see. Do I still have? I think I've uninstalled both bracket pair colorizer and color brackets. And it still works. Because VS Code has it by default now. Oh, nice. I think I actually did a video on that too. It's been so long now, I forgot. (laughs) But just being a built-in thing. 
So are you saying you get another point? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but if we're counting, I'll take the points. That's we should totally have like a ding sound effect ding. for our soundboard. Another one that I'll throw in, this is one of my favorites, is Quokka. And what Quokka is, is a live JavaScript scratch pad. And what that means is you can open up a new file with Quokka and you can type in JavaScript and it shows you the output right there. And it basically just continues to run your file. So you get live output for JavaScript if you just want to test something really quickly. They also have TypeScript support, so you could do one in TypeScript too. A good example of this is someone was working on some JavaScript and had a question about it inside of our Learn, Build, Teach Discord. I copied over the code and the Quokka, I could see the output right there and, and manipulate it and it worked out really, really well. So I love Quokka. I've been using that for a long time and people ask me about this extension all the time when I do a video on YouTube. They're, what's the extension that gives you the little information to the side of the code? So people love it. So another one that I use is called Colorize. You can tell I'm <laughs> designer all as well, all about the colors. And what this does is when you reference a hexadecimal value within your code or any type of color, it will color your code that particular color that you're referencing. So it makes it a lot easier to see exactly what that color is. That I don't read hexadecimal values. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. Sounds like a fun thing to do, though. Mm, for some people. So another one is text pastry. And this one I actually discovered through a West Boss video. But it's pretty cool. What you can do is you can put a cursor in multiple places within VS Code and then trigger text pastry and it will inject a number one through however many items that you have. So it's really great if you're trying to number the elements, say in an array or number variables like with the same name, but just a pinned a number on the end. So I've really enjoyed that. Somebody actually commented though and said you could do something similar with an Emmet, which we haven't referenced Emmet mm -hmm. either. Emmet's fantastic. So Emmet, I can type say div tab and it will put the angle brackets around that. You can also say div dot a class name and it will structure that out for you so that it will say div with class equals inside angle brackets. And it makes it really easy just to quickly stub out an HTML page. Actually, I say HTML, but Emmet has been expanded to CSS and some other things as well. Yeah, highly recommend Emmet. It's amazing. It's also built in, Emmet support is built into VS Code. So ah, cool. don't have to do anything extra to use it, but it's really awesome. So another one that I like is called Window Colors. And James actually has a competing pick, so you can tell us who wins. But with window colors, what that does is that will color your, what is that, your icon bar, your toolbar that's in, mine's on the far left, and it'll color the title bar. So what it'll do is it'll automatically add those colors whenever you create a new window in VS Code. And the reason I like that is because I'll usually have multiple windows with different projects open. And it helps me to keep track of which project is which based on that color bar. Nice. So the other one of this is Peacock. This is another one created by John Papa. We've got one more to mention with John Papa as we get into the themes. So John Papa's done a ton. So this is the same idea, different windows you can have or different projects you can have a different color bar. So if you have multiple of them open, you know, or you have an easier way to tell which is which. So window colors and Peacock, both good options. And then I wanted to mention an extension that I built, not because it's that great or anything, but mainly just the fact that you can build them. So it's called a web boilerplate extension. I would love some feedback on this because it works on my machine, says every developer. And then people <laughs> out there that have installed the extension have said it doesn't work for them. What it's meant to do 
is you run web boilerplate and it generates HTML, CSS, and JavaScript files for you. And then in the HTML includes a link to your JavaScript and CSS. So if I'm working on a vanilla HTML, CSS, and JavaScript tutorial, that would be my starting point is to run the web boilerplate extension and it will generate those files for me. But if you try it out and it doesn't work, please let me know. Um, Which leads me into part of the conversation that I think is cool with this is VS Code is using Electron, which is basically web technologies underneath the hood, which means to create an extension, you can do that too with your HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and or TypeScript knowledge. We actually had a question. Maybe I'm getting a little bit early for grab bags because we've got one other thing I want to do, but uh, we've got a question from WebDev Terry on Twitter. How hard is it to code your own VS Code extension and what language is it written in? So language would be JavaScript and TypeScript. They have starters and templates and things to get you started. I will say it is a little bit intimidating because there are a lot of things kind of going on. So it takes a little bit to understand what the different pieces are to write your first extension. And then it could get kind of tricky to build, you know, even bigger extensions. So it's definitely possible. It's also a little bit tricky. So I would say, you know, start small, have a little bit of patience, ask a lot of questions and go to the documentation. And you should feel pretty enabled to build your own thing, whatever it is. Very cool. Well, let's touch briefly on themes. I have just been a Cobalt 2 diehard for years, so it's hard for me to switch. Most of that's just because I know what colors things should be in Cobalt 2. So if that's not working, then I know there's a problem with my code. And of course, our buddy, my BFF (laughs) that I've talked to all the time, uh, also never, is uh, Wes Boss, (laughs) and he... (laughs) He's behind Cobalt 2. So he's created a lot of Cobalt 2 themes for various editors, Sublime, Adam, and even Hyper. But he has one also for VS Code. Nice. Yeah, I have used Cobalt 2 inside of VS Code as well. But the Cobalt 2 theme is one that I've used a lot as well. And then there's several other ones. And this is kind of fun for me because I haven't done it in a while, but there's, what is it called? Interaction, a chat command inside of, or a reward, redemption, that's the word, inside of Twitch for my channel where people can change my theme to a random theme. So it kind of just cycles through it, which has been fun. But I'll kind of run through these really quickly. Midnight Owl is a really cool one from Sarah Drasner. She's got a really good eye for design and accessibility. So she created uh, Midnight Owl. And then John Papa making his third appearance on the podcast today created Winter is Coming, which I believe is inspired by Game of Thrones. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think there's some sort of tie in there. And then the one that I'm using now is Midnight Synth. And this is from Eric, who is one guy in our Discord and on Twitter. And I get questions about this theme all the time. People love it. I created a video about this theme and then now that I've been using it in several videos, it never fails. Every time I show code, people are like, what theme is that? Where is that? Where can I find it? A couple other ones to shout out. Codestacker is an amazing YouTuber, one of my content creator friends. He created his own theme as part of his VS Code Power User course, which people should check out. Level Up Tuts from your friend Scott Talinsky that you talk to all the time. <laughs> uh, that one is cool. One more is Ahmad Oase who uh, is a content creator as well. He created Shades of Purple. He is very into purple. If you follow, if you interact with him on Twitter, he'll usually find a way to include purple in the stuff that he does. And then last, but probably least, is the worst theme of all time, which is Hot Dog Stand, which is all bright reds, bright yellows, and in some cases, black. And it's the most ridiculous theme ever, but it's one of the ones that's in the rotation for my random theme, Redemption, in Twitch. 
and people love it. Anyway, so it's kind of fun. There's, I think there's like a popcorn one that's also like those really bright, ridiculous colors. So maybe try them out, but be careful. It might hurt your eyes. You should also qualify that the reason people love hot dog stand is like more of a trolling thing, <laughs> not because they actually like the colors. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Not, it's definitely not because they like the colors. So we are not recommending it <laughs> <laughs> per se. Per se, but you know, to each their own. Yeah, true. So the next section of our show is our grab bag questions. And this is where we take questions from friends and strangers alike on the internet. So we have a few for today. So for example, we just answered the question kind of out of sequence, but that's all right. From web dev Terry called, how hard is it to code your own VS code extension and what language is it written in? So JavaScript, TypeScript, all the good things. The next question we have is from Ioxi Design, and they ask, have you guys heard of Thunder Client for VS Code? And proudly, that did make an appearance within our list of extensions. It is a good one. And then we also have one from Walid Mumtaz, and they ask, what do you think of beginner developers using extensions to make things easier? For example, auto-completion. One of my favorites being GitHub Copilot. And do you think beginners should use such extensions? So we talked about that briefly. I think that auto-complete and GitHub Copilot are two different things. With auto-completion, you generally have to have a sense of what you're trying to type. And so a lot of times it just saves your fingers from actually having to write something out. So for beginners, that could be helpful in just making sure that you get the syntax right or prompting you for what properties and values you have available to you. I do know, for example, I put off using certain fonts for a while as I was learning things because certain fonts within VS Code will give you ligatures. So for example, if you do say a tab with a greater than symbol, it'll combine those to create an arrow. So within VS Code, a lot of times I was getting confused about how that character was being generated or exactly what code I was typing out. And so I would use fonts when I was first learning so that I understood exactly what I was typing before that got combined to be something else. But James mentioned earlier that sometimes GitHub Copilot is better once you know a little bit more of what you're doing. That way you can vet the code that it's recommending. Yeah. My personal opinion is GitHub Copilot is way too good for, for beginner developers. <laughs> like it's really just mind blowing. So I think if you're pretty early on in your career, I would shy away from GitHub Copilot specifically just because I think there's learning process involved in writing that stuff out yourself. But auto-completion, I think like we live with auto-completion every day. There's a difference, big difference, like you said, and just auto-completing a variable name or a function name versus writing an entire chunk of code for you. So yeah, take advantage of auto-completion. Pay attention to the things that you're doing when you use it just to make sure you're aware of the stuff that you're selecting. And then maybe hold off you know, on GitHub Copilot until you been doing it for a few years and have a pretty good sense of what you're doing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost sounds like you could equate that with, say, just copying and pasting from Stack Overflow. I think yes, and maybe even a little more extreme because I feel like there's less thought involved. Like at least in Stack Overflow, you're searching for a question, you're scanning through things, and you're probably trying the first one that you find to see if it works. So there's a little bit of not guesswork or not thinking in there too. But it almost seems a little more extreme because you, mm. you don't even necessarily have to go and start to do research. You just start typing a function and it does a lot of stuff for you, which can be can be detrimental, especially if like it's using code that you don't understand. But that would be the same problem if you're copying code that you don't understand. So anything in that sense, regardless of 
GitHub Copilot or something you copy from Stack Overflow or whatever, I generally recommend people like take a second, pause, make sure you understand the stuff that's going on and then throw it into your code. And then our last question is from developer Cam. So glad that he made an appearance. Mm-hmm. And he MVP. asks, <laughs> any references or guides on creating a VS Code extension that you guys have used or you like? James, I'll have to defer that to you. Yeah, this is actually a little bit of a miss, I think. So at first, I would start with the documentation. Documentation is fairly well, although I've passed along some feedback that I thought things were missing and just not... I always think about documentation as like, what are the most common things that people are going to do or want to do? And let's make that stuff like really obvious for them. And I felt like some of that stuff was not super obvious when working on an extension. So unfortunately, the only resource I have is the actual documentation. I haven't done a lot of research, especially in a while, but I didn't really have a good like blog or video resource that I came across that I enjoyed. So if you find anything or if anyone else knows of a good resource for creating your first or creating maybe not just your first, but like a a bigger, better extension in VS code. I would greatly appreciate that. So make sure to share that with us on Twitter. Awesome. And the last segment of the show is called picks and plugs where James and I pick something that we like and we plug something that we've generally worked on. So James, do you have any picks and plugs for us today? Yeah, I'll do the Duolingo app. I am a hundred percent in on learning French right now. So my wife and I are going to Europe in April where I'll be speaking at a conference in London and we're flying into Paris to spend a few days there before going to London. And I've just gone all in. So we have the Duolingo app, which is pretty nice on the free tier. It's a little annoying because you only have like X number of misses before you have to pause and like re-earn extra misses and misses as in like incorrect answers, by the way. And anyway, so we paid for the year membership for a family, which is like 120 bucks. And what that means is five people can have access to that. There's like different upgrades and things that come with a paid tier, but probably most importantly, there's no ads and there's no limitation to how much you can miss. So you don't have to stop and not be able to learn for an hour before you can regain the ability to miss or get something incorrect. So Duolingo app has been pretty nice. We also kind of, as a side note, are doing anything that we watch that has French subtitles for now, we'll throw on the French subtitles. And so like most of it's way beyond us, but like just recognizing words and having that association with English as it's being spoken and kind of reinforcing some of the things that we're learning in Duolingo has been a lot of fun. So hopefully by the time we get to Paris, we won't sound like complete Americans. We'll at least have a a decent attempt at trying to be able to speak the language. And for my plug, I'll do a YouTube channel. So James Q quick on YouTube. I do weekly videos about web development related topics, anything and everything. I do a lot of vanilla JavaScript and I do a lot of VS code, which I guess maybe more aptly, I should plug one more thing, which is the learn VS code course. So you can find that on Udemy and it teaches you basically everything that you could want to know about VS code, how to customize the functionality extensions, all those things. So if you want to check that out, that's on Udemy. What about you, Amy? Awesome. I'm going to plug the Pacific Northwest backpack, at least that's how it was branded when I bought it. I think this was a Kickstarter, but now it's under Arcadia Supply Co. And it is a backpack that will collapse down into a little bag. And whenever we go to a theme park, say Disneyland, where we went the other week, I'll bring this little backpack and put all the stuff that we need for the park in that bag. Because then I have my computer bag that I have on the airplane. So since you're limited in your carry-ons and things like that, it's been perfect to carry along without taking up a lot of space. I'm a big fan. And then I'm also going to plug my YouTube channel, 
And so that's Self Teach Me, where I have a lot of videos on SVGs. We talk about VS Code and debugging in VS Code. Uh, there's also a series on Git that is kind of popular, <laughs> not as popular as James. <laughs> but anyways, we're getting there. So I would appreciate your support, but you can check that out at Self Teach Me. Go and check her out on YouTube. She's got big goals, big goals. on YouTube. I've got to hit them. That's right. <laughs> So that is going to wrap up this episode on part two of VS Code with the extensions. If you have any additional questions or topics in VS Code that you'd like to see us cover, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter with the compressed FM handle. In the next episode, we're going to talk all about authentication and authorization. Talk about local storage versus cookies versus sessions versus tokens, all the things. So looking forward to that episode. In the meantime, that's all we got. Wait, wait, wait. That's not that's not really all that we have yet. One more thing. Amy and I have been streaming our second episode of Compressed FM live on Twitch, usually at Fridays at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, where we bring on a guest to talk about something that they are excited about, something they want to share. And we are excited to work with our guests and to learn from them and to help share that knowledge with you. So if you want to listen to a live episode of Compressed, you can check that out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash jamesqquick, usually at 11 a.m. Central on Fridays. That is all we've got. That is all we got.